Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Pastini is Eugene's new Italian bistro at Oakway Center. Dedicated to serving up two of life's greatest pleasures, pasta and wine. Join them for classic favorites like spaghetti and meatballs, linguine with clams and sausage, and fettuccine Alfredo paired with hand-selected Pacific Northwest and Italian wines. Pastini. Eat pasta. Drink wine. Welcome to the Duck Pod from DuckSports.com. Here's Ryan Thorburn and Austin Meek from the Register Guard Newsroom. All right, we're back, Austin. Uh, another edition of the Duck Pod. Some football news recently. Uh, Oregon has hired a new defensive coordinator, Andy Avalos, to replace Jim Levitt. Uh, just your thoughts on the hire. This is a guy who had some pretty good success at Boise State and is a young up-and-comer type. Obviously, Jim uh, is out the door and looking for his next adventure. So just your thoughts on this transition. Well, a little bit of a surprise. Were you a little surprised to see that news come out this week? I mean, I was because just because some of the people I talked to uh, over the past week or two, uh, including Jim Levitt, kind of thought that Keith Hayward was just going to yeah. move up a spot and, and take over. He's not. Um, him and Joe Salovey, I assume, will uh, still keep those co-defensive coordinator <laughs> tags on their on their. Um, on their job descriptions, but uh, it's clear to me that Andy Avalos is the defensive coordinator and will be uh, running the defense, calling the plays. Yeah, that's certainly how it appears. I mean, I, I guess we'll we'll see how all the responsibilities shake out. Um, I suppose, you know, in theory, it's possible that Keith Hayward could end up still having a bigger role, um, you know, as in terms of running the defense. But I don't think uh, a guy like Andy Avalos is going to leave. Um, is going to leave Boise State to come here to be a linebackers coach. You know, just to have that DC title in name only. Um, I think he's coming here, like you said, to run the defense and to you know to bring in his scheme. Uh, so you know, I will give Mario Cristobal some credit here. I think a lot of us, when Oregon said they were going to do a national search for a defensive coordinator, I think a lot of us thought maybe that was window dressing a little bit, like. Oh, okay, maybe you'll go talk to some people, but really, you're going to hire a linebackers coach and you're going to give the job to Keith Hayward. I think that's what a lot of us expected. Uh, but apparently, you know, Mario Cristobal really took that seriously uh, and went out to find the best guy that he could find. And I, I think he you know, hired somebody who's going to uh, really bring a new a new energy and a new dimension uh, to Oregon's defense. And I think I think that's a positive thing. You know, Oregon's defense took some big strides under Jim Levitt. Uh, anybody who was here three years ago to watch that defense can attest to the fact that uh, Jim Levitt really uh, accomplished a lot on that side of the ball. But I think you could make the argument that they didn't live up to their potential last year. 
probably part of that was the fact that the head coach and the defensive coordinator just weren't really on the same page. So I, I think this probably gives you a lot of, uh, if, if you're a Duck fan, I think this is something you should be excited about, that um, you know it's not just a continuation of what Oregon's been doing, uh, but potentially something that could really take them to the next level. Yeah, I think there's there's a window here to have a more of a a collaborative effort. I, I think when I was talking to Jim on his way out the door, he he wanted to make it very clear that that he called the plays at the Red Box Bowl and he designed that game plan. And I think there was maybe some rumors out there that maybe Keith was calling the plays yeah. or that he had more input. Uh, and Jim wanted to make it clear not to throw him under the bus. That listen, I I came up <laughs> with that and we we did pretty well while I was here. And and he had no, he was not upset at all about the separation. Obviously, he's getting up to two point five million dollars, but he had no animosity towards Mario or anything. He said Mario just wants his own guy. Uh, and now that guy is Andy Avalos and. I don't think Keith or Joe are the kind of guys that are going to be, oh, I wanted that. I think that they're going to help him build the defense, and maybe they will have more of a say on game day of, of what plays are run. Yeah. Well, and I love Jim uh, as much as the next guy. He probably did design the game plan against Michigan State. Uh, he also designed the game plan against Arizona right. <laughs> and Washington State and games where the Ducks got torched on defense. Um, now, I think a lot of the angst from fans this season was directed at the offense. I think a lot of that was warranted. I think Oregon's offense did not perform up to expectations, did not perform up to, certainly not up to the historical standard of what Oregon's offense has been, and also not to, I think, what you would expect from an offense that had that amount of talent on it. But if you look at those two sides of the ball, I think the fact that the offense struggled at times maybe overshadowed the games where the defense honestly didn't really give Oregon a chance to win. You know, in that Washington State game, in that Arizona game, uh, it wouldn't have mattered if Oregon's offense had been hitting on all cylinders. Uh, defensively, they didn't, they didn't show up in some games this year. So I think that's the hope is that with a new voice on that defense that you know they they level out some of those peaks and valleys you know it it was great to end the season not giving up a touchdown against a team that was like 120 in the FBS in scoring offense um but the offenses you face in the Pac-12 are a whole different animal than Michigan State and i think the hope here is that Oregon's taking a step toward being a defense that consistently you know is holding teams in in the 20s, the high 20s, the low 30s, you know, giving their offense a chance to win every game, knowing that their offense is not going to be what their offense has been. We're not going to go back to Oregon having 700 yards of total offense in every game. Uh, but if their defense just becomes a little more consistent, I think it gives that offense a chance to go out there and, and win every game. We should also note that Oregon has uh, this offseason replaced Court Dennison, who was a young good recruiter up and coming coach with left for Louisville with Ken Wilson who will coach inside and outside linebackers it, it appears uh, a more of a veteran coach um, so you have a young defensive coordinator uh, you have a veteran defensive line coach and then you have uh, Hayward and Avalos or young up and coming you know potential 
stars, I guess you could say. So that'll be an interesting dynamic on defense. Then offensively, uh, wide receivers coach Javon Bonight, who was at Utah State last year, comes in to replace Michael Johnson Sr. Obviously, that's an area where they have to find some production with Dylan Mitchell leaving. So uh, spring football is around the corner. It starts next Thursday. You're always looking for story angles that time of year, and Oregon has provided them with this new coaching um, change up and we look forward to to seeing how that goes this spring um so before we go we have uh, a guest we're going to get to to kind of break down this hire uh dave southern from the idaho statesman he broke the story on on avalos coming to oregon and we'll get to that interview just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh human remains that are left Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back, and as promised, we have Dave Southern from the Idaho Statesman, covers Boise State, and Dave broke the story on Andy Avalos coming to Oregon to be the new defensive coordinator. Uh, Dave, I guess, welcome, and thanks for doing this, and I guess just tell us a little bit about uh, Coach Avalos and what he might bring to Oregon. Yeah, well, well. first of all, this is very exciting for me, considering that you and I go way back to the uh, Border <laughs> Daily Camera days, so, That's so right. I appreciate you having me. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, with, with Andy, uh, he was a guy that, uh, you know, I, I think if you had to kind of rank the staff that Brian Harson had and ask the fans who was their favorite, Andy probably would have been number one. Um, he played He played here, he was a two, two-time all-whack linebacker, but... He came initially in 2012 on Chris Peterson's uh, staff and then was a holdover when, when Harson came. And um, as a defensive coordinator, we always think about Boise State football, even here, being so focused on offense. But I really think that the reason that they've been consistent throughout history, but especially the last three years, was because was of the defense. And uh, he's been a big part of that. He's always been a – you know, they've always been pretty consistent, um, not, haven't had too many horrible games. Um, and – Year in year out, you could you can kind of count on them to be to be pretty tough, and and I think that you know it's been a big loss. And you just look at the comments from the fans when when I put it out there about what where about how he was leaving. Um, you can just tell how important he was by the fact that they were all pretty despondent about it. Hey, Davis, Austin Meek, the columnist here. Uh, were you surprised that uh, that he made this move? Had he, has it, had his name been mentioned for some other jobs, or did this kind of come out of the blue? Yeah, this one did come out a little bit out of the blue. Though I will say, when um, usually when it's Oregon, you know, maybe other Pac-12 schools, but when there's an opening, really any position, I think people here are a little cautious just because of you know you know their resources and the regionality and um, you know you know the the growth potential. I, I think there's people's uh, antenna are always up. Um, so I know that you know, even even like when Court Dennison left, I think some people were like, okay, are they going to try to grab someone from the staff? Um, and so I think that, uh, but it was a little bit of a surprise because I, I don't think people thought Andy was a lifer, but he definitely had had other opportunities, you know, in the last couple of years. But but he stuck around. He recently, um, last month, signed a, a new two-year deal here. But but I think that 
what kind of is become obvious is that Brian Harson probably isn't going to be going anywhere unless someone really rolls out the red carpet. And I think that in Andy's mind, that gave him an opportunity to, you know, go somewhere else and see what else is out there. Um, and maybe, maybe he, he will realize that this is what he wants to do. I think that, you know, there's always the, in the back of people's minds here that, you know, one day he might be the head coach back at Boise state, but, um, that's probably not going to happen for a little while, and I think that he wanted to go and, you know, kind of see if he could uh, if he could grow a bit. And I think that's that that's that opportunity at Oregon for sure. Yeah, in my story, I kind of alluded to the fact that Mario Cristobal finally took something positive out of the Las Vegas Bowl, a new def- <laughs> Boise State's defensive coordinator. But um, do you think that game played a factor in just getting him on Mario's radar, or do you think that's just coincidental? No, I, I, I don't think it's a coincidence at all. I mean, you know, frankly, because obviously that was Mario's first game, and uh, and I think, you know, a lot of us, you know, a lot of people, I guess, around the nation really, really saw, like, you know, obviously Leighton Vanderash had a huge game, and we knew about him, of course, and I think some people, you know, in this area had kind of known about him, but I think that they were so good in that game, you you couldn't help but notice. And, um, and because of that, you know, again, like I mentioned the regionality, and I think, there's so many ties with the with Boise State and Oregon, whether it's you know historically playing each other or you know Chris Peterson came from Oregon here. Um, I think that I, I think that 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 Andy's kind of been on the radar ever since, and for good reason. And you know he's going to be able to continue doing a lot of the same things he did here, whether it's recruiting the same area, that sort of thing that that he can bring to Oregon. And I, and I think that for Mario, it, it probably was you know something that made a lot of sense in a lot of ways. Tell us a little bit about what to expect schematically from uh, Andy's defense. It seems like they, uh, you know, they, a defense that throws a lot of different looks at uh, mm-hmm. at the opposing offense. Uh, they played some three four, some four three, some four two five. Um, what would you? How would you kind of describe the the philosophy behind his defense? Yeah, I, I think I think that's kind of a good way to put it. Is that you really can't put uh, a proper description on it necessarily, but I think what he does really well. Uh, since day one, uh, frankly, is play to his strengths. Whatever his roster has, a, you know, if there's a strength, he's going to play that. It's not really he's not going to try to make it fit a certain mold. And I think that what has really been around here, what has developed uh, in terms of you know what what he's been able to bring in, and he's been able to find some guys that are like in that six four two twenty range, um, and turn them into guys who are, you know, the, the outside linebacker, you know, they call them stud ends here. They've been able to have so much success with them. Last year they played, they were able to play two at a time. They used to just have one. It was almost like a quarterback. You would have one in each class. And now they used two last year, which were Frazier and Curtis Weaver, and that worked great. And they, they brought in three more in this new class that they're basically saying, we want to get as many of those guys out there as we can. And it's, it's worked to great success, and I think that's been part of the reason that he's been good is because he's been able to adapt to what the strengths of his roster are. In the past, um, they've had a bunch of really good safeties, and they, like you kind of said, you mentioned the four-two-five thing, kind of using three safeties. Uh, Kekala Kaniho scored a touchdown against Oregon in that bowl game. He's kind of a good example of he doesn't really have a position, but they're going to find a way to put him out there, and sometimes they use three safeties. That's what they have to do. That He's really good at adapting, and I think he's going to play to his strengths. Whatever... whatever Whatever the most talented position at, at Oregon is going to be for him, he's going to find those you know a way to get those guys out there. And what about his personality? Obviously, Jim Levitt uh, has <laughs> a very strange brand with uh-huh. the Pepsi uh-huh. drinking and the tweeting and and just his strangeness. In the in the few times we were able to talk to him 
in a media setting. He was a little different. I was able to talk yeah. to him at his house on his way out, and he's completely different in that kind of one-on-one <laughs> setting. Right. But um, obviously, he had a lot of energy. But you know, an older guy, accomplished. Um, it seems like Andy fits kind of Mario's. Uh, the way he's hiring with younger guys, a lot of energy, and I assume he's probably a good recruiter too. What what's he like, and how do you think he'll fit in at Oregon? Yeah, well, I, I remember. I remember. I think there was a time where Jim Levitt did like an interview in like Boulder Creek when he was at CU. Yeah. So yeah, that's all you need to know. Um, the uh, with Andy, one of the things that's always impressed me is the energy, but it's not like a corny, over the top energy. It's not a not a PJ Flex sort of thing. He. Andy has has, has an, an energy for what he's doing. He's a very smart guy, um, and the way that he would always, you know, we, we we'd get him weekly during the season, um, uh, you know, press conferences here, and he always was the sort of guy to give you some insight. Um, you know, he he wasn't going to BS you, and he one of the, the things about him I've always noticed is just under the, just under the surface there there is a there is a fire there is something where if you mention something that like. Let's say they hadn't had an interception in like three or four games. You bring you bring that up, you could tell it turned a little bit. You know that he wasn't mad at us about it, but he, you know, that that, that it's something that you know fires him up. You know that he cares. So um, he, he's going to be the kind of guy that I think that you kind of mentioned. You know, with the way that Mario's hiring his staff, I think he'd fit right in, and um, I think that translates onto the the recruiting trail. One of the things that was really interesting to me was right after uh, you know the news came out. They brought in a kid early who graduated early. He's a true freshman named Casey Klein, who had I, – I want to say Oregon was interested in him. I know UCLA offered him, and he said that Andy was a huge reason he came to Boise State. And then he changed his profile picture on Twitter of one to a picture of him and Andy. So, like, he connects with a lot of the recruits, especially when we're talking about guys from, like, Southern California. Um, you know, he's been able to, to have really good relationships with those guys, and, and I think that uh, – you know, because of that, they've been able to bring in some talent that they really weren't able to do even a couple of years ago before he got here. Yeah, to follow up on on that recruiting angle a little bit, you know, the recruiting has really changed uh, at Oregon under Mario Cristobal. Uh, they're really taking a national approach now. Uh, Oregon used to be really selective in recruiting. They would target like a handful of West Coast guys that they really liked, similar, I think, to the Chris Peterson approach. And now they just cast such a wide net. They're all over the country. Um, how do you think Andy will kind of fit in to that? You, you mentioned Southern California. Is that sort of his turf recruiting-wise? Um, and, you know, obviously Oregon and Boise State, they might compete for some players. Um, how, how do you think you know? How do you think that transition will go? Recruiting the type of athletes that that he's recruiting at Oregon versus the recruiting that he was doing at Boise State. Yeah, and you know, it, I, I think really like kind of like we were kind of mentioning in the last couple of years. I do think that their recruiting has overlapped a little bit because I think as Boise State has gotten better and you know been able to continue to win, they, they've been able to kind of get some of the kids that maybe Oregon was on a little bit. Um, so I wouldn't see it necessarily changing a lot, but um, he's a Southern California guy. Um, he also did a lot of stuff in the Inland Empire. So I know obviously, you know, Oregon's down there a ton, so I, I, I wouldn't expect that to change. But they've been able to, you know, find kids from, from all over here even, too, that have been, um, you know, really talented guys that he's helped land, like, They've got a, a kid who's a nose tackle, played a lot as a true freshman, who's going to end up being a heck of a player here named Scala Gahan. He's from kind of the Austin, Texas area. 
Um, you know, they've been, they've been able to find guys not just necessarily from Andy's footprint, but what, what, you know, he's kind of been. I guess if, if I had to put it, kind of a closer. You know, when they, when they bring, you know, when he makes those visits to those guys, he really can can lock them down, whether they're from you know, his area or not. And I think that he's been able to do that with, you know, like I said, with, with guys from from all over the place. Well, Dave, I don't know what you're going to be doing in 2025 hopefully you'll be at the oregon at boise state game i can't guarantee i'll be there but i will try but i guess it's kind of cool that they're on the schedule um boise state will come to eugene in 2024 and 2026 and oregon will go to boise state in 2025 i guess how would you kind of describe this kind of unique uh power five versus group of five rivalry of two teams that don't play that often but when they do it seems like uh one team wins and the other team scratches its helmet and it's kind of unique yeah it's 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 awesome i i love it because um you know i i I i've been around here long enough where i I covered those you know the first two times when boise state and oregon played obviously with kellen when he was here and you know, before the the Vegas Bowl, I, I wrote kind of a you know I talked to him and a couple other guys that played in those first two games that they've only played three times, but it does seem like it's it's a rivalry. It's very strange because all three of them, yeah, Boise State has won, but every single one of them had some sort of weird thing that happened. Whether it was you know with Garrett Blunt and Byron Hout, um, you know that that uh, that '08 game was Kellen's first road game. That was kind of the first moment where the nation took notice of the guy. Um, and of course, seventeen was Mario's first game, and so I, I think it's it's been fun. And I, I really think that you know, if you want to talk about that group of five, power five dynamic, and hear Boise State's you know the fans feeling like they're the underdog, just mention Oregon, and that's going to get them fired up because they you know they're like, well, they have all the money, they have all this stuff, but but we're three zero against them, you know, and so I think that. Uh, the fact that they signed this series coming up um, in a couple of years is great because I really do think with, you know, again, go back to it once again, but, you know, the regional factor, but all those other things, uh, it's awesome that they're going to play because, because it, it's never been not boring. Yeah, well, hopefully it doesn't come to uh, come to blows the next time these two teams get together. But uh, I'm sure that this will add a little more fuel to the fire for sure. Uh, sure, so, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, before we let you go, uh, we should mention that Dave is a Colorado graduate and uh, a Minnesota native as well. So you could really help some people shovel snow around here because they don't know how to do that. But um, since uh, you. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I, when I see like when I see like the, the the videos and stuff like that, I it's, I just can't help but laugh. You know. So um, speaking of Colorado, and uh, as you mentioned, we go back to our, our Boulder roots here. But uh, last night, California beat Washington in hoops, <laughs> and Austin's getting ready to go to this men's basketball tournament in Vegas. Uh, do you have hope that the Buffs and I guess Ducks fans should have hope too that pretty much anybody can win this pathetic Pac-12 race this year? Yeah, I don't know if anyone actually like deserves to win uh, the conference this year, just because it's been so bad. Uh, but uh, there's, yeah, there should be hope for everybody. I mean, like it's funny you mentioned like even like like Cal being so bad. Like you know their point guard transferred from Boise State, so it's kind of like even here, like oh look at that, even even Cal can win something. But uh, I think anyone can win it. I I, I think CU has been like frustrating because there's been times where they look like okay, they're they're hitting their you know they're hitting their their stride. Then they lose to Washington State. So 
I have no idea. Everyone's had a bad loss, so uh, so yeah, you know, pretty much everybody's got a shot. But uh, you know, Oregon's got some talent, but you know, they've had their injuries and all that stuff. So uh, maybe lean to Washington, but I, I, it, it's really anybody's race except for Cal. I really don't think Cal is going to be able to keep that up. <laughs> and I just thought of one more question while we have you here that I think Oregon fans will be somewhat interested in. Uh, ever since Willie Taggart left, they love to see his failures uh, at Florida State so far. Um, <laughs> and Boise State opens next season against Florida State uh, in the state of Florida. I think it's in Jacksonville or somewhere. Yeah. Um, yep. What's kind of the vibe? Uh, you know, it's a long off season, so we look ahead to these matchups. What's kind of the, the thought uh, in Boise about that game? Yeah, it, it's uh, people are, I mean, over the moon about it because still as of right now, they're supposed to come up here in 2020. Um, and so, of course, people are amped about that too. But the funny part of it is like everyone's excited about it here, but but Florida State had that down year last year, and their O-line was atrocious, and Boise State still returns a lot of their pass rushers. So there's, there's a quiet confidence here. But then again, they're going to have – Boise State has, I think, yeah, there's one guy in spring ball right now who has thrown a pass, and he's thrown one for Boise State. All the rest have never done it. So whoever, when they have to go on the road, whoever's going to be the starting quarterback – it's going to be in for a you know a pretty rude awakening, I bet. But uh, but the assignment level's you know really high here, and I think that uh, I think most people are assuming Florida State's going to be a little better. But but I but there's a confidence that you know because of that year last year that they think like that they've got a good shot. This isn't you know one of the you know Bobby Bowden '90s behemoth teams. All right, Dave. Well, we've kept you long enough. Uh, we know that uh, Boise State spring football is underway, and you're a busy guy. So thanks so much for joining us, and uh, we look forward to seeing you down the road. Absolutely, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Duck Pod from DuckSports.com. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and always available at DuckSports.com.